You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to the audio version of the Church Doctor Report, presented by Kent Hunter. Welcome to this audio version of the Church Doctor Report. Your church, organism, or organization? I am so excited about sharing this information with you. Uh, it's from a uh, upcoming book uh, that I have written along with Tracy Swank called Politics in the Church, Pain-Free Decision-Making. And in fact, if you find that you're interested in this topic, uh, you can sign up to be notified when the book is available by emailing Jason Atkinson at churchdoctor.org. This is a hot topic. I hope you'll enjoy it. Here we go. In mission school, they teach future missionaries the basic nature, function, and purpose of the local church, according to Scripture. Why? Because clearly understanding God's intention for the church impacts the effectiveness of His primary mission to reach the world for Jesus Christ. Jesus changes everything. As a believer, you've experienced that. Even though you might confess with me, I'm still a work in progress. With that confession, we want to learn all we can about being church. Healthy churches develop believers who carry out the mission of Jesus that all people might come to know Him. They become part of His movement to reach others for eternity. Then, we will be one step further in our work in progress. Now, for now, if you're breathing, you want to be the best version of church you can be, right? You know lost people matter to God. Jesus died for them. He has called us to live for them, to reach them. These are our marching orders, our most important mission. And so we join hands with the King of the Universe, who through the Holy Spirit empowers us to point others to Jesus. And then miracles occur, lives are changed, the world is a better place, and the population of heaven grows. A key element of God's salvation plan is that Christ's followers become church in the authentic way Scripture describes. Unfortunately, the world seeps into the lives of church people, even people like us. The enemy attends church as well, not to worship Jesus, of course, but to corrupt God's plan. The enemy is there to get us off track. But Jesus promises, I will build my church and the powers of hell can't stop it. Matthew 16, 18. Yet, as you know, the battle is constant. The enemy is wise. He knows how to corrupt the church 
and disrupt God's plan. This is a tension with which Christ followers like you and me live every day. We celebrate that Jesus won the victory, (laughs) but the battles remain. I want to share with you a little bit about the battle of bureaucracy. You see, the scripture describes the church as a living organism. You and I are part of the body of Christ. We are the household, the family of God. We are the sheep with an awesome shepherd. We are branches of a divine vine. We are living stones, building blocks of a holy temple with Jesus, the solid rock that holds it all together. We are a priesthood of believers, everyone a minister, everyone with spiritual, supernatural gifts used by God for ministry that reaches beyond, way beyond human limitations. And to be part of the church is to be used by God to help change the eternal destiny of others. It is nothing short of miraculous. However, the battle continues. The enemy persists. One of his tools of corruption is the poison of bureaucracy. Now, this is a tough subject. It's a touchy subject. It's one that you're going to have to really think through because you're so used to the bureaucracy. But, of course, God wants order in the church. It's the way effective ministry is accomplished. Yet, when we get humanly organized with rules and regulations and turn to laws and bylaws and suck the air, the spiritual air, out of the Christian movement. You see, in Scripture, all the metaphors that describe the spiritual entity of the church are living organisms. The bottom line, the church is alive. It is an organism, not an organization. We organize, but we are not under the rulership of structure. You see, Jesus has a unique strategy concerning the mobilization of his movement. It is our human nature to go big, move fast, create programs, and perpetuate routines. Yet, Jesus' approach is different. He clarifies, I will build my church, Matthew 16, 18. With divine impact and power, Jesus mobilizes his movement. In Matthew 10, 7, Jesus says, Go and preach. The kingdom of heaven is near. In verses 19 and 20, he says, Do not worry about what you are going to say or how you are going to say it. When the time comes, you will be given what you will say. For the words you will speak will not be yours. They will come from the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. You see, the mission of the church is a divine enterprise carried out by empowered believers infused supernaturally. It is so easy for this divine commission to become a bureaucratic organization, corrupted and impotent. In our upcoming book about church politics, I have reflected on how over-organized and political churches can become. Many congregations are weighted down by laws and bylaws, rules and regulations, 
Votes and Vetoes So how did the early church operate? Well, look carefully at the book of Acts. The New Testament shares that this new group of Christ followers were constantly attacked by the bureaucratic scribes and Pharisees. Those guys were steeped in rules and regulations, you know, the way we've always done it. The establishment religious leaders voted. They gathered in meetings called councils, spelled C-O-U-N-C-I-L-S. It is surprising that today many churches operate through governing mechanisms called church councils, spelled C-O-U-N-C-I-L. And they vote. They operate by majority rule, just like the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, I mean no offense, but listen more. In the book of Acts, when the Christians gathered to make decisions, they had to make decisions as well. However, their approach is described and translated as councils. Different word, C-O-U-N-S-E-L-S. What does that mean? Well, they prayed. They sought wisdom from Scripture, the teachings of Jesus, and the disciples. They sought counsel, S-C-O-U-N-S-E-L. They sought counsel from God. No votes, no majority rule. They led by searching for the will of God. You see, Jesus launched a movement. So, when you are tempted to drift into political realm of an organization, it's helpful to clarify what it means to be part of a divine movement. Because organizational structures stall the growth of God's kingdom. And you don't want that. What Christian would want that? Yet, there are many Christians, churches, whole denominations that have replaced the spirit of the New Testament movement with a multi-layered organizational bureaucracy. They have elevated human systems like Robert's Rules of Order to a level that is treated as if it's sacred. Majority votes do not guarantee God's will. Anyone who has been a church member for more than a year knows that. Instead, such approaches to decision-making tend to draw bureaucrats to congregational and denominational leadership positions. Bureaucrats, my friend, are rarely visionaries. How should a church develop a spiritual approach to decision-making? Well, in Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, it says, And his gifts, God's gifts, the Spirit's gifts, were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And what were they to do? What were they for? They were to equip the saints, that's all followers of Jesus, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So, here is the biblical formula for the mobilization of the organism 
called church. Number one, church leaders disciple church members. Number two, church members do ministry. Think about that revolution in the way we put together this thing called church. You see, in the body of Christ, leaders have the primary purpose of equipping Christians to use their unique spiritual gifts for ministry. They train them by discipling, on-the-job equipping, you know, like Jesus did. You see, in the world outside the church, some actually call this apprenticing, training as an apprentice. In the church, it's called discipling. You see, the world has learned more than they know that this is from Jesus. Some church leaders and many denominations have forgotten it to their peril. When we pray for revival, a renewal of the church, we are asking God to revolutionize our basic operational approach including staff and all church members. The result? Well, missionaries call it revival. Strategists call it multiplication. In your church, you might describe it as a birth, a rebirth of the Christian movement at a whole new level. This is fundamentally different than most church programs. It includes the genius of discipling. So, let's get down to the meat of this issue. How would decisions be made if Jesus was your pastor? If you study the New Testament from the perspective of decision-making in the church, you might summarize this process as an apostolic council, spelled C-O-U-N-S-E-L, an apostolic council. Now, let's unpack those words, because most people have never really thought about it or ever heard those words before. But if you study the New Testament from the perspective of decision-making in the church, apostolic counsel is kind of a summary of the way it works. Let's begin with the word counsel. It describes the New Testament approach to decision-making. Instead of votes and constitutional rules and regulations, those in the decision-making group would be committed to prayer and searching the Scripture to seek God's will, what God wants, on any subject that impacts the directions of your church. This approach influences who is chosen for this council, C-O-U-N-S-E-L. They would be mature Christians who reflect a lifestyle of regular Bible study. That's kind of obvious. They would approach every issue from a scriptural lens. They would not vote, but would come to a unanimous agreement, what scripture refers to as being of one mind. You see, this stuff is in the Bible. And their commitment for every decision is to seek God's will, what God wants. They would never consider meeting without their Bibles. They would literally search the scriptures as the Bible directs. And if they cannot reach a consensus, they table the issue. No matter what the urgency, they stop the conversation. They pray. 
They look to the Scripture. They seek guidance from the Holy Spirit. And if it's not the time, they table it until there is consensus. Those on the Apostolic Council would be responsible Christians who would pray for, look for, until they find another member of the church to disciple for the Apostolic Council position. These disciples would attend the council gatherings and they would be mentored, discipled by their disciplers. They may become future council members or they may lead other ministries in the church. However they serve, they will make decisions and will lead using a biblical approach. The role of leadership for the Apostolic Council is that of the senior pastor who has a divine call and responsibility for the church, its health and direction. If there is an associate or assistant pastor on staff, the senior pastor would disciple that person to lead the council gatherings if it should ever become necessary. The pastor, as leader, is sensitive to identify when discussion seems stalled in search of a conclusion. The pastor would declare a time of prayer and or scripture search. If there is still no consensus, the issue is tabled with the understanding perhaps it's not God's timing. Now, what about the word apostolic in the concept of apostolic counsel? The word apostolic in the Bible, in the biblical concept of apostolic counsel, reflects the leadership style of the apostles. They had a style that was a lot different than the scribes and the Pharisees. The New Testament apostles were not politicians. They were committed to seek God's will no matter what the cost. They were committed followers of Jesus. They were influenced by the teaching of Jesus and the Old Testament, today's scripture, which now includes the New Testament, as a key resource for their direction. Their leadership style was relational, not political. They were not nominated or elected, but followed their calling even in the face of persecution. They loved the church and were totally committed to the Great Commission to make disciples of Jesus Christ and to equip them to multiply other disciples. They relationally influenced other Christians in the spirit of the gospel, just as Jesus had led them. They were personal not institutional. They were committed to God's word. They were sold out to the mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ. They were believers who raised up future leaders. Now about this time, you might be thinking, Kent, are you serious? Well, at this point, if you're still listening, you may have a twinge of doubt. That's okay. It usually goes like this, and I quote, that would never work in this church, <laughs> end quote. Yeah, maybe you were thinking that, huh? You should know, over the last two decades, Church Doctor Ministries has worked with numerous churches 
from different denominations and independent churches as well. And they all wanted to leave the politics behind and find a better, more effective biblical approach to decision-making. It's an approach that unites rather than divides. And in every case, in all these churches, every one, in each of these churches, there were those who felt this approach would be impossible to achieve. Yet, in every case, the people worked through the process and felt liberated. They were liberated from politics. They discovered a much improved, healthier, more biblical approach as a result. In truth, it is simply impossible to improve on the way the New Testament church operated. So, here's my prescription. Read the book of Acts. Reflect on your congregation's decision-making process. Pray. Ask God to give you biblical wisdom to rethink the way you make decisions. And ask this question. What is God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? Whatever you do, don't settle for politics. There is a better, more spiritual approach. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the audio version of the Church Doctor Report. If you would like to receive the written version in your email, please sign up by going to www.churchdoctor.org. If you've enjoyed this teaching, please share it with others and encourage them to subscribe. Thank you, and God bless.